the Lest We Forget podcast, a historical podcast by Tenement Yard Media. I'm Gabrielle, your host for this episode. Every year around May to August, there's usually a repetitive argument that makes its way around Jamaican society. Whether on traditional or social media, this debate takes place where people inquire why Jamaican authorities continue to mandate the wearing of jackets and ties for men in formal spaces, especially in a tropical climate. The thing is, though, there was once a time in this country's modern history when the government of Jamaica went on a campaign to change societal norms, that is, change what male formal attire meant in Jamaica. This campaign is how the safari-styled dress suit known as the Kariba became arguably the most popular formal dress suit in 1970s Jamaica. Jamaica gained independence in 1962 and that ushered in the Jamaica Labour Party, JLP, as the first governing political party of the country. Then, in 1967, there was the country's second election and the Jamaica Labour Party also won that. The opposition party, the traditional leftist People's National Party, PNP, was frustrated with back-to-back losses in general elections. Friction over the future of the party between younger members, post-independent visionaries of the party, and the older members, the pre-independent visionaries of the party, would add to this frustration and create an internal conflict by the late 1960s. In the midst of all of this, one of the founders of the PNP and the party's first and sole president up to this point, as well as the island's first chief minister and the first opposition leader of independent Jamaica, Norman Manley, died in 1969. It's safe to say that the party was going through turmoil, and when its presidential election took place soon after, it would be Norman Manley's youngest son, Michael Manley, who won the presidency over Norman's law mentee, Vivian Blake. And we should note that this is the attorney and politician, Vivian Blake, not to be confused with the former alleged Shower Posse leader, also called Vivian Blake. Michael Manley graduated from the London School of Economics and Political Science with a bachelor's in journalism where he was mentored by a renowned socialist political science scholar, Dr. Harold Lasky. Upon returning to Jamaica, Manley served as a journalist at the Public Opinion in the late 1950s. The Public Opinion was a leftist newspaper founded in 1937 by Osmond Theodore Fairclough and O.T. Fairclough is also the main conceptualizer of the founding of the PNP in 1938. In the 1960s, the Jamaican government banned government advertisement in the public opinion, and the newspaper would soon shut down operations. Fun fact, the National Library of Jamaica houses copies of the newspaper, and you can view Manley's journalistic pieces there. Still, while an employee at the public opinion, Manley also became involved in trade unionism through the PNP-affiliate National Workers' Union and soon after would become one of the organization's leading figures. Then in 1962, when Jamaica gained independence, Manley became a government senator and during the 1967 election won an elected seat in parliament by becoming the Member of Parliament for Central Kingston. 
But back to 1969, this is where we find Michael Manley, president of the People's National Party. Almost three years later in 1972, he would lead the PNP to their first electoral victory and become the fourth prime minister of Jamaica. And it would be in 1972 that the Kariba suit took center stage. The Kariba suit is described as an open neck over the pants shirt and matching trousers suit. It was first designed in Jamaica by the designer Ivy Ralph. Ivy Ralph was born in Manchester in 1928. She is a graduate of the Fashion Institute of New York and the founder of the House of Ivy. In the 1970s, she decided to do her own spin on the traditional bush jacket and called it a Kariba. She said, quote, it was an idea I had as a child, a more comfortable style of dress for men. I wanted to help them get away from the jacket and tie routine to something far more comfortably suited to the island's climate." End quote. Soon after coming to power, however, it would be Michael Manley who brought more attention to the suit. It said that Manley saw the design, immediately took a liking to it, and sought out Miss Ralph for his own custom design. With this, Manley's signature 1970s wardrobe was born. Manley, with his leftist politics and Global South ideology throughout the 1970s, viewed the Kariba suit as a symbol of anti-colonialism and anti-imperialism. In his book, The Politics of Change, Michael Manley stated that the wearing of the jacket and tie was, quote, the first psychological surrender in colonial trauma. Now it should be noted that dress styles in Jamaican society that did away with the Eurocentric jacket and tie were first popularized by members of the Rastafari community who were known for their designed bush jackets. This also wasn't the first time that Michael Manley has mirrored Rastafari culture and in some cases exploited it for political gain. During the 1972 election cycle, Manley became the first political leader to use reggae music during their campaign. Songs like I and I Go and Beat Down Babylon became quite popular on the PNP campaign trail. Then there was the reggae song that became synonymous with that campaign. Delroy Wilson's Better Moscom was appropriated by Manley where the song title would become the PNP's official 1972 election campaign slogan. There was also the rod of correction which Manley said he would use to lead Jamaica to a better society. He said that the stick was a gift from the then emperor of Ethiopia and an icon in Rastafarian culture, Haile Selassie I. It was here that his moniker Joshua took flight where he likened himself to the biblical prophet and likewise compared Hugh Shearer, the incumbent prime minister, to Pharaoh. In his paper, Rastafari Culture of Resistance, political scientist Dr. Horace Campbell stated that Manley, quote, promoted and took advantage of the metaphysical interpretations of Rastafari. He exploited the spiritual and metaphysical content of Rastafari. Still, by the mid-1970s, the Kariba suit became synonymous with members of the PNP, who by 1974, under Michael Manley's leadership, moved more sharply to the left than previous governments 
as they declared their support for policies of democratic socialism. As such, members of the party echoed Manley's sentiment of moving away from a colonial style of dressing that was not conducive to the Caribbean tropical climate. In her book, Race, Class and Political Symbols, Rastafari and Reggae in Jamaican Politics, Dr. Anita Waters stated that, quote, PNP politicians were recognizable by their style of dress, usually a Kariba suit rather than the jacket and tie associated with members of the JLP. The Kariba was now the official uniform of the PNP, and as such when the party won the December 1976 election at the 1977 swearing-in ceremony of the new cabinet, of the 28 persons, only three wore a jacket and a tie, end quote. Persons were quoted as saying that the wearing of a jacket and a tie was a symbol of conformist behavior and a symbol of imperialism, while the Kariba was as a symbol of cultural decolonization. One member of the JLP, however, was quoted as saying that the PNP's wearing of the Kariba suit was going overboard to convince the masses that they were there for them. It was also the middle of the Cold War and the Gleaner newspaper, at this time the most popular media entity on the island through their societal cartoon series, depicted global socialist and communist leaders with Kariba suits. Despite this, however, the Kariba suit became quite popular across the island as tailors stopped selling jackets and ties for, as one person stated, people with ties were seen as anachronisms. In a March 1976 interview with the New York Times, Ivy Ralph stated that a custom-fitted Kariba cost $65 to $70, while off the rack they sold for about $10 less. Her sales were high throughout the 1970s where she exported consistently to Saks Fifth Avenue, B. Altman and top boutiques throughout the Caribbean and the United States. In 1999, Ivy Ralph was awarded the island's Order of Distinction for outstanding contributions to the promotion of fashion. And here's a fun fact for you. Ivy Ralph's children are also household names. Her son Michael Ralph is an accomplished voice actor, actor and comedian. And his sister, you know her, Cheryl Lee Ralph, is also an accomplished actress, singer and activist. In Trevor Rowan's 1976 Jamaican classic Smile Orange, the assistant hotel manager Major White is seen wearing different Kariba suits throughout, and Manley had his own variety for all sorts of occasions, as the government of Jamaica passed a law in Parliament allowing for the correctness of the outfit for official functions. As such, Manley wore a black Kariba suit to meet Queen Elizabeth II, and then in 1977, donned a navy blue one to meet U.S. President Jimmy Carter. We should note that this meeting with the U.S. President is the cover art of this very episode, but you can also see Beverly Manley, then wife of Michael Manley, sporting her 1970s signature afro. Across the region, other leaders adopted the wearing of the Kariba suit, most notably Errol Barrow of Barbados and Forbes Burnham of Guyana both university friends of Manley who he met at LSE and who were also mentored by Harold Lasky. 
Maurice Bishop, during his tenure as Prime Minister of Grenada, also wore his own variation of the dress suit. On another side note, this new fashion sense of politicians in Jamaica was not only limited to the Kariba suit. Dr. Anita Waters made note that throughout the 1970s, there was a noticeable increase in the politicians who sported beards compared to past elections. When she interviewed one JLP candidate, he made note that he wore a full-face beard for the 1976 election to appeal to youth. Photographic archives of Jamaican electoral candidates showed that in 1967, no candidate had a beard. In the 1972 election, two candidates were bearded. The 1976 elections, however, saw 16 candidates wearing beards, while in 1980, it was 19. There was also a noticeable image of PNP candidates wearing tams during the 1976 election, and members of that party sporting afros throughout the decade. Now it seems that the Kariba suit was becoming an alternative to the jacket and tie in Jamaican society. Popular among politicians, youth, and the wider society, the suit was becoming more acceptable. That was until the October 1980 general elections. The election was won by the Jamaica Labour Party and ushered in Edward Siaga as the fifth Prime Minister of Jamaica. Thus, with a conservative right-wing government now in power, a few societal changes would follow suit. This included the wearing of the Kariba suit as the island soon went back to jackets and ties as the solely acceptable form of male formal wear. Soon after, the Jamaican government officially stepped in when the Speaker of the House, Talbert Monsell Forrest, declared a parliamentary dress code. As of April 7, 1982, male members of parliament, visitors and journalists to the Jamaican parliament were required to dress with propriety where no short sleeve caribas or guyabera shirts were allowed. As at the time of this recording, in the year 2022, the official standing order of the Jamaican parliament is that male parliamentary members attending House and Committee meetings must wear a business suit and necktie. This, the standing order states, to maintain dignity and decorum. In April of 2022, PNP Member of Parliament Philip Paulwell argued for a review of the dress code. Mr. Paulwell told the Jamaica Gleaner, quote, You're not going to come to Parliament in slippers and shorts, but I think Mr. Manley had set a tone. We need now to formalize that. In fact, you don't need a formal Kariba suit, but the type of shirt, jacket and pants with proper shoes should be allowed. End quote. But a few days before Mr. Paulwell's announcement, JLP Member of Parliament for Eastern Portland and Marie Vaz put forward a motion for the review and implementation of women's dress codes in Parliament as female identifying politicians are not permitted to wear sleeveless clothing. Madam Speaker, I beg to give notice that at the next meeting of the House, I will move the following motion. Motion for review and implementation of change in standing orders regarding women's dress code. Whereas the standing orders define the code of dress and behavior of members of the House of Representatives, whereas these standing orders are in need of review, 
given that women now wear pantsuits and, and also have sleeveless garments accepted in corporate chambers. Whereas the change in climate has influenced the change in the style of clothing to keep women cool to safeguard their health, whereas acceptance of sleeveless garments are accepted in public offices and state gatherings, where, whereas the Parliament has given notice to the Minister of Gender Affairs, having been given the mandate to review the need for this review of dress code some two years ago. Be it resolved that the House establish this review as indicated by the Most Honourable Prime Minister so that the female members of the House may have com the comfort of modern, modern and environmentally suitable dress code. A 2017 incident saw PNP Member of Parliament Lisa Hanna being reprimanded by the House Speaker at the time, Pernell Charles, over her wearing a cap sleeve dress in Parliament. Still, with both MP Vaz and MP Paulwell's activism, politicians of both the JLP and the PNP want to expand this motion to include government buildings, courts, institutions of learning and hospitals to implement clothing more conducive to our tropical climate as still certain pantsuits and sleeveless clothing are not allowed in these places. JLP Senator Shireen Golding said dress code prohibition on the people of Jamaica is not serving the people of Jamaica so it should go and we should design for ourselves the appropriate code. PNP Senator Janice Allen said quote the fact is our formal and business wear have been dictated by Eurocentric sensibilities and it is high time we determine for ourselves what is considered applicable not only because of our climate and comfort, but also based on cultural history. End quote. Given the history of the Kariba suit in Jamaica, where it was dubbed a communist uniform at the height of its popularity, and the continuous policing of women's bodies in the Caribbean, it should be interesting to see where this particular debate goes. And with that, we call an end to today's episode. To view the sources used in this episode and our recommendations to learn more about the topic, visit our website at tenementyardmedia.com. A transcript of this episode will be available five days after it has been posted to podcast outlets. And remember, we'd love to hear from you. Follow our social media pages at tenementyard underscore on both Instagram and Twitter to view additional postings on this episode and updates on other content created by Tenement Yard Media. We're also open to conversation about this and other episodes and all happenings around Caribbean history and culture. And just a quick note before we leave, we're over on Patreon at patreon.com slash tenementyardmedia if you'd like to support the show with a monthly donation of as little as $1. You can also make a donation of your choice at tenementyardmedia.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Gabrielle, and this has been Lest We Forget, a historical podcast from Tenement Yard Media.